I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Fungi seem harmless enough. Many species know otherwise because there are some fungi who seek not to kill but to control. Let me ask you, where do we get LSD from? Where do you get it from? Hmm. It comes from ergot. A fungus. Psilocybin, also a fungus. Viruses can make us ill, but fungi can alter our very minds. There's a fungus that infects insects, gets inside an ant, for example, travels through its circulatory system to the ant's brain and then floods it with hallucinogens, thus bending the ant's mind to its will. The fungus starts to direct the ant's behavior, telling it where to go, what to do, like a puppeteer with a marionette. And it gets worse. The fungus needs food to live, so it begins to devour its host from within, replacing the ant's flesh with its own. But it doesn't let its victim die, no. It it keeps its puppet alive by preventing decomposition. How? Where do we get penicillin from? Fungus. (laughs) Dr. Schoenheist, you're in distress. Fungal infection of this kind is real, but not in humans. True, fungi cannot survive if its host's internal temperature is over... 94 degrees. And currently, there are no reasons for fungi to evolve to be able to withstand higher temperatures. But what if that were to change? What if, for instance, the world were to get slightly warmer? Well, now, there is reason to evolve. One gene mutates, and an ascomycetia, candida, ergot, cordyceps, aspergillus, any one of them could become capable of burrowing into our brains and taking control, not of millions of us, but billions of us. Billions of puppets with poisoned minds permanently fixed on one unifying goal, to spread the infection to every last human alive by any means necessary. And there are no treatments for this, no preventatives, no cures. They don't exist. It's not even possible to make them. So if that happens... We lose. We'll be back. Welcome to The Syndicate, a film and TV podcast. Be a part of the conversation as industry insiders, genre lovers, and cinephiles dare to peek beyond the curtains of imagination and dive into the art of cinema. Join us as we want you to spend less time scrolling and more time watching.
Now here's your host, Armand Haddad. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much for coming back. We're meeting again. It's been a while. And we're meeting because we just watched The Last of Us. At the time of this recording, it just ended. Yes. So before we get started, I want to introduce you to... So, Aaron, you're on my right. Aaron, thank you so much for coming back. Yeah, thanks for having me. And of course, on my left, we have Doug Levinson. Thank you so much for coming back again. What's up? Glad to be here. (laughs) Well, I'm glad that you two have returned because we usually talk about horror movies and we're talking about a horror TV show, Zombie Apocalypse, Fungal Apocalypse, Mushroom Heads. So (laughs) before we talk about the show made by HBO, I want to ask, first I'll start with you, Doug. How did you first discover The Last of Us? I discovered it through the video game back on the PlayStation 3 days. 3? Yeah. Oh that was PS4. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was yeah. a while ago. It was a, it was a long time ago. <laughs> so, yeah, because with me, I've, I've heard of it when it came out, but I'm an Xbox guy. Mm. I didn't have PlayStation. So I was mad. I was like, it's an <laughs> exclusive to PlayStation. I can't even play it. <laughs> So I never played it. I always heard of it. I always heard great things, but like, oh my God, the story is so amazing. Part one, part two, but I never had a PlayStation and I was waiting for it to come on Xbox. Never came on Xbox. It should have came Mm, on Xbox. I know. I don't know. Sony just wanted wanted exclusivity with it. They wanted it all for themselves. Yeah. So aren't the console wars great? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Well, that's why I opted out. Now I'm on the PC. Mm. (laughs) Yep. PC squad for life. So Aaron, how did you first discover The Last of Us? Well, I think like both of you gentlemen, I like video games. I, I don't like play all of them, but I like I'm in the know about, you know, what's coming out, what's hot right Mm -hmm. now, that sort of thing. Um, Doesn't mean I'll play them, but I'm at least aware. And uh, unfortunately, I'm a filthy, filthy PC gamer, so <laughs> I did not play The Last of Us, heard a lot of great things about it. My friends were ranting and raving, oh, you got to play it. But I'm like, I'm not going to buy a console just to play one game. So right. uh, I, I basically, but, you know, over the years, I've kind of learned more about it just through pop culture osmosis. So I had like the general gist of what the game was about, what like the basic plot is about. And then, of course, the HBO Max show uh, arrives and uh, our our boy Pedro Pascal oh, is yeah. at it again. Oh, yeah. Uh, so that actually got me like kind of interested to actually watch it. And now I think like a week ago, the PC port uh, of Part One dropped. Yes. Ooh. So now it's actually like an option for me to <laughs> for me to play. Because like yeah. in preparation for this episode, I even told you guys I was like, okay, I'm gonna play the PC version of Part One. And I looked at Steam, and it was like coming out March 28th. I'm like, ah. Oh. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to play it in time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. And side note, I have bought a console just to play one game. Oh, my God. What oh. was it? Halo. Oh. Ah. All, all the Halo games. Because, like, I was just following the Halo story, buying yeah. all the consoles. Usually that's the only one. So okay, I'm a were, sucker. Were, were you, like, was, was that because, was Halo, like, your entry into it? Or were you, like, with Bungie in the early days with, like, Marathon? Oh. Because um, I know well, some some people, like made the switch after uh well i was a hard ps2 guy okay well nintendo when i was a kid playstation 2 because it was all the rage and then xbox and the reason why i bought an xbox is because my friends and i played halo combat evolved okay i want to play this so i bought an xbox and then halo 2 came out Mm. which was on the original xbox still and then halo 3 was 360 yeah 
which took me several years to buy because I had no money. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I followed the Halo story by buying the consoles. I remember when Halo 4 came out. Oh, my god! I didn't have an Xbox One. Yeah. So I dropped like $400, $500 because you had to buy the Ooh. game, got to buy the console, then you have to buy the HDMI, and then oh my god. a special TV. And I was like, good Lord. I went from a CRT TV to a flat screen, all to play Halo 4. Well, was it fucking worth it? I would say, yeah. Okay. <laughs> there you go. People bitched. I didn't. Yeah. About my Mountain Dew. <laughs> <laughs> Turn in for those gamer points. Um, yes. And speaking of gamer points, yeah, this is the first... I don't want to get off the fence too early, but like we can all agree that this was like one of the first successful video game to TV movie adaptation. And The Last of Us, I think, fits in there because I think we've all watched the Super Mario Brothers movie. Mm -hmm. And that's like, that's not exactly the the old one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The Luigi. Okay. Okay. Luigi Mamo. Yeah. What's his name? (laughs) Uh, He he came up on a. I think the last time we recorded a yeah, syndicate episode. It was uh, Violent Night. He <laughs> yeah. was the villain. Liguiziamo. <laughs> yes. And then he was in the menu, which you weren't on, but. No. I call him Luigi still. <laughs> he keeps popping up, popping, popping back up, <laughs> just like a fungus. Yes. So, oh my God. So, like, um, before we start recording, Doug, you're like, this is one of the first good adaptation video game to cinema. 100%. Quality. Yeah. That doesn't happen. No, it doesn't. What do you think is the difference? Like, what? Like, okay, the whole series is done. We watched it. It's out on HBO Max. Like, what separates this from other attempts? Like, Silent Hill. I'm sorry, Aaron. <laughs> Resident Evil. Like, we'll get to that. Those other ones. I, and uh, I know the showrunners made it uh, the, the, made this point too uh, early on when I was watching it. But um, I know uh, the showrunners of the show. Uh, who also did Chernobyl, they said they wanted to stay truthful to the source material. So that was like a big part for them. But um, they also, they said that, you know, we know what, we know what worked from the, you know, the, uh, from the video game. And, you know, if we, they said that if we felt like that we couldn't improve on that, we, we wouldn't change the story at all. Which remaining faithful to the, like what made, you know, the game successful um, I think they didn't change that core part and they brought it over to screen just like they intended it for, you know, the video game, yeah. if not made it better in some areas. Um, but yeah, just staying faithful. They, I mean, they stayed faithful to the source material ultimately and, you know, checking themselves being like, oh yeah, you know, if we want to make this change, is this going to make the story better or is it going to make it worse? If it's not going to, if it's going to make it worse. We're not even going to touch this Hmm. anymore. And that's how you approach it. Because like, even though I didn't play the game part one, I watched it on YouTube. (laughs) They made like a 4K movie. It's like three hours Yeah, like a Let's Play with no commentary. Yes. And I was like, I was like watching the movie and like, I was surprised how like entire scenes were lifted from the game and just slapped in the TV show. Mm. Exact lines, exact like framing of the camera. I was like, oh my God, this is so true to the game i was so surprised i'm really surprised to hear that because like i've not seen any clips from the game or the show before going in i've gone in like completely blind so i i hmm i'm gonna have to play the game now oh yes uh armand i see yeah remade i've i've brought this up with you before i know at least okay um i don't know if i've talked about on the show but almost 10 years ago i had a series on youtube 
uh, called Screen Jumper. And mm. I was basically looking at video games adapted to movies and vice versa. Mm. Mm. And that's where that's where I ran into Silent Hill. Yes. And that's why I, I pipped that movie out so much because like <laughs> you're such a stand. For I, that I am. I am. And I'm not I'm not ashamed uh, <laughs> because it's it was like one of the only examples I found of like a pretty decent movie adaptation of of a game. Uh don't look up that series on YouTube. It sucks. <laughs> I, I keep it up there as like a time capsule um, well, for, my, for like how my own skills have developed. But um, Hey, guys, this is Aaron, and yeah. I'm talking about <laughs> Silent Hill. Yeah, exa- exactly. Um, it, is a, it is a necessary uh, stepping stone on my, on my growth. But, and now you're uh, WSDR. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't know it at the time, but I was basically doing like intro to media studies as far as uh, I, was, I was really trying to understand like what makes a, a, a video game a good video game and what makes like a good movie and why has there been so much difficulty with like transferring one to the other. Right. And here we have as an example, like a TV show. And I think that's actually one of the, uh, one of the major benefits of the show in trying to adapt uh, video games is that video games uh, are very long form. They're it's pretty mm-hmm. rare to complete one in like, a feature length runtime. It's for hours and hours and hours. And it gives you the time to like develop these characters, you know, if they're written well. And um, always with these adaptations, you're going to miss the element of player choice, Mm -hmm. particularly with like really well developed games that have this in mind, like Deus Ex, Uh, their player choice is always at the, at the center of it and how the story unfolds has to Mm -hmm. do with the interaction. You're not going to get that with like other media. So don't even try unless it's bandersnatch <laughs> yeah Black mirror yeah that, that yeah. was interesting <laughs> but it, 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 i'd say that's more of like a choose your own adventure novel than yeah. a game but um regardless people are gonna th- those lines are gonna blur as technology develops but um right off the bat we have a very long uh nine part se- uh it, i guess it's a season they're gonna have a season two mm-hmm. um and already you're like checking off the box of a good adaptation because like you, you have the time to really get to know these characters and develop them and go on the journey with them. Uh, these are like really beefy episodes too. They're like at least an hour length, each one of them. Yeah. The first one was like an hour and a half. Um, so it's nice to be able to let that stew cook and like really get to know these characters. And that's what I really enjoyed about this series. Um, I haven't played the game, so I can't speak specifically to that, but I'd be really curious to know like, from both of your perspectives, like what elements of the game actually did transfer over and was it, was it more like set dressing or just from the sounds of it, just like scenes copied whole cloth or was there an element of the gameplay elements that actually made it in as well? So Doug, you can speak more to this, but like very quickly, of course they're going to be different. Like mm-hmm. the characters mm-hmm. look kind of different in the, the video game. Like uh, the main character, Ellie kind of looks like uh, Ellen page. Before mm-hmm. she became Elliot Page, mm-hmm. uh, and then Joel kind of looks like Pedro Pascal, and then as we get into it, like Tess looks a little bit different. Like there, there's like aesthetically, there are some differences. Yeah, and the time period I think is slightly different, but that doesn't matter. Uh, but most of the general framing is preserved. The story beats are definitely preserved, mm-hmm. and then where the script really shined, that was lifted. So, Doug, since you actually played these games, 
I didn't play these games. I looked at the cinematics. <laughs> so was it uh, similar or were there differences? Like, There's definitely a lot of similarities, but then there's a lot of... <clears throat> so like when I played this game, it was I played it way back in launch, way back in the day. So watching the show, like I, I was remembering some gameplay while it was coming along and I was like, that this is like perfect picture for picture. And then, and then it was like, there's times where I was like... This is different. I didn't remember how this, that this played out this way. Mm -hmm. So they did, you know, pull in, you know, they kept true to the game, but they also made differences in areas, which I think made the story even better. Whoa. Okay. And they took out some elements too, that I also did end up missing. Um, Didn't, I don't want to go too much into spoilers or or the storylines or episodes quite yet. But um, they definitely, you could definitely tell that their first, that their main goal for this show was to capture the essence of the game and expand upon that, expand on that success. And I Mm -hmm. think they did that 100% successfully. And one of those reasons why is because they didn't decide to do it like this in like in a movie. I think, I mean, they decided to do this as a show, Mm, which I think is the better call for you know making adaptations especially from video games it's like you try to fit like you said earlier all this stuff into like one like 90 90 minute minute movie could you imagine them doing that for the last of us and yeah that 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 wouldn't have worked 90 minutes you need 90 minutes for that pilot and yeah (laughs) right i mean they did a they knocked that out of the park too yeah i mean going down to characters and even you know the clickers too the clicker Mm -hmm. the, the show they wanted to make it so that you didn't have to, you know, play the video game to see this show. Mm. And they did a great job at that because I was watching it with my parents and they weren't even asking me questions like, hey, we haven't missed anything, did we? And I was like, no, you, you really wow. didn't. Can we trade parents? <laughs> What's uh, happening? Oh I'm watching God. it too. <laughs> yeah. My, 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 my brother recently tried to show my parents uh, the movie Heat. And oh boy. It, it was a it was a bad time. They were pausing like every few minutes. Like, who's this guy? Oh. What are they doing? God. Why are they at the airport? I can't see anything. Oh my god! I don't know. Some people close ju- the blinds. I can't see. I, I have to remember that like watching a movie is not like it's a skill that needs to be developed, and not all people have the wherewithal for that. Unfortunately, oh, I see that yep. in the movie theater all the time. Yeah, he's <laughs> <laughs> gonna get him. When I saw Scream Six, I kid you not. There was a five-year-old next to me. Oh, oh no. no. I'm like, this is not no. appropriate for a five-year-old. No. Oh, my people, God. Got, people got gutted. Oh. A lot of blood. And I'm like, let's just hope it's going through. Yeah. <laughs> going over his head. But, um, yeah, but like with the with Last of Us, I've noticed there was several changes. But yes. the changes in the TV show made it even better. For example, like uh, when we meet uh, Ellie uh, in the TV show, she's essentially held captive by these uh, insurgents, rebellion mm-hmm. type people. Mm-hmm. The fireflies. And the fireflies. And in the game, that's not really the case. She's kind of her, she, she kind of has freedom because like in the yeah. show, she was like chained up and not allowed to leave. And like in mm-hmm. the show or in the game, she, that wasn't the case at all. And I was yeah. like, okay, well, I mean, realistically, if this character was in our real life, we would treat her more like in the show. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yes. Which yeah. we'll get into because like now we're dancing upon it. Yeah. I think we need to get into it. So I did want to add okay. a couple things before we go. Um, and feel free to cut this if this is too nope. off topic. <laughs> um, 
in my screen jumper experience, I noticed that it's often it often goes better if you adapt like a movie to a game because you can add those elements of interactivity to the story mm-hmm. and you're basically acting like the character would. Um, I'm thinking of one game I covered called Stranglehold, which is a actual sequel to the movie Hard Boiled uh, by John Woo. I don't know any of these. Uh, John Woo was a Hong Kong uh, I know John action director. Yeah. Uh, Came to the U.S. for a little bit, then realized that Hollywood sucks, and he left. <laughs> but while he was here, he made a wonderful, wonderful action movie called Hard Boiled. Nice. Um, he he was one of the guys who pioneered the the action movie trope of uh, flying through the air with pistols akimbo, firing both of them. Really? Oh. Yeah, that was John Woo. Oh, um, wow. And so years later, um, if you remember the video game developer Midway, they're still in operation in Chicago. Yeah. Um, Cicero, actually. Yeah. They uh, they made a game called Stranglehold, and it is uh, an actual sequel to Hard Boiled, uh, written and directed by John Woo. And huh. uh, yeah, no, nobody nobody knows this game. Oh, wow. But yeah, you they, they got the actor back, uh, Xiao Yun Fat. Uh, they use his likeness and voice. Um, you play as his character, and they have a whole like stunt system for... Flying off of things, shooting things, um, you know, re- reloading, and all this stuff that you do in the movies, and it actually works out pretty well. So I, I I'm curious, like, if there's any TV shows or movies nowadays that would actually like benefit from an adaptation to a video game. Um, another example is the Mad Max game that came out after Ooh, Fury Road. Yes, um, where they basically take like what Max does in the movie and Turn it into like an open world sandbox type thing, which I'm like, yeah, that's a that's a good way to do it. It was a big hit for me. I could tell you that much. I was addicted <laughs> to that game. Yeah. Do you stream that? Uh, I never streamed that one. No, but I played that game like right after pretty much, you know, I bought the Blu-ray. I remember that. Yeah. Here's the thing, Aaron. Yes. Now you're slightly younger than Doug and I, mm-hmm. but when Doug and I were early teenager, even younger, mm-hmm. there was a big boom especially with Star Wars games, mm-hmm. where you had the movie coming out, and then all these video game developers were like, we need to make video game tie-ins yes, the movie to market tie-ins. the movie. And we don't really get that nowadays. No, that's not part of the marketing strategy anymore. I think because video games, like as an industry, have gotten like so big yeah. that if you want to make one, you either have to do it like super fucking cheap and just like farm it out to some kind of mobile game developer, which mm-hmm. I guess they still do. Uh, to some extent, or mm-hmm. you, you have to put all this development time and money into it. And it, it, it just the nature of the development cycle and how it works with Hollywood is like, you can't really line them up as easily anymore. That's my guess. I think that's what happened with the Mad Max game. Cause it's kind of a tie in, but it came out at a different time. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Going off of that, I know that uh, I saw Cocaine Bear recently, and Cocaine Bear actually has an 8-bit video game that came out once no with it. Yes. No shit. Yeah. I haven't checked it out what? yet. I haven't checked out this video it's game It's a mobile yet. game? But uh, no, I think it's I, – I can't remember if it's a mobile game or if it's a PC game off hmm. the top of my head. Um, but I was going to check into it because you know I saw that it came out – saw that came out with the, with the movie, and I was like, why is nobody talking about this video game? Hmm. <laughs> It's an 8-bit, so... Wow. The last thing I wanted to add was I've noticed that the really bad like adaptations are usually done by people who don't care for the source material at all. Mm. Um, 
I, I just mentioned Stranglehold and John Woo's like direct uh, involvement with that, and which is why I think it was part of the success. But so many times you have like uh, these Hollywood types who are like, "What is this uh, Tetris? We can make a movie out of that. <laughs> who cares? Whatever." <laughs> and you know that's when you get like complete crap. It has um, nothing to do with Tetris. It's like or, or like the espionage, the movie. Hitman movie. Oh God, all the Hitman oh, movies. All the Hitman movies. Oh my God. <laughs> like you know. <laughs> You could kind of sometimes see where they're trying to like, you know, recreate what how the game might feel. But then, especially the latest one is like a oh, dumpster God. fire. I, I remember um, seeing that, and it's like, yeah, they they don't care about the character or the world at all. But I noticed in the very opening credits that the same writer who wrote the original game developed by Naughty Dog is one of the writers on the show. Yes, so it's like you have someone who's like actually bought into it, who's help helping to steer the ship, and I think that's another key ingredient for why this adaptation works they exactly. care about the source material yes yes because like i'm going to talk about a reason a, a recent magnum opus shit show the halo tv series mm. which has nothing to do with the storyline of the video game oh my god master chief mm-hmm. takes off his helmets <laughs> you see master chief's ass in so many scenes we call him master cheeks <laughs> master chief yeah oh my god what why is this is this is this a Cinemax show? No, it's on Paramount Plus. <laughs> oh my god! I fucking Paramount Plus. No, just like the same. Um, you know, Halo. Halo would make a great like gay porn like ripoff. Why? <laughs> I don't know. The Halo. Just I don't know. Master he, Chief has to go into the ring. Yeah, uh, that's part of it. Dick. Uh, Master Chief. I don't know. He strikes me as a bear. I don't know why. He could be a bear. Yeah. He could be a bear. Underneath all that armor. And then, he, some loving. then he has sex yep. with Cortana. I can go on and on. <laughs> like well, the, Cortana's an easy one. Uh, he doesn't do that in the game. <laughs> oh, he doesn't in the... Oh, my God. I thought you were... No. I thought you were proposing that no, for the no, porn no, ripoff. No. Oh, my God. He has sex oh my with God. Cortana in the canon oh TV show. Oh. Oh, no. I mean, I'm sure every... No, wait, no, he doesn't have sex with Cortana. He cucks Cortana. Oh. Because Cortana's watching. Oh, my God. And um, he has sex with the Covenant spy, which is a human, human lady. I'm telling you, I was what watching it, and I'm like, oh, and then Cortana's in the background watching him have sex with the Covenant spy. Oh, is she, like, pleasuring herself while watching? Like, I, oh I don't know. Master Chief. It, it, so it faded to black before we got <laughs> that far. And I was like, what the fuck is this show doing? It's like every fifth grader's fantasy game. God, it was dog shits oh my god and i feel embarrassed for you (laughs) it was it was oh my god i trudged through it i was like i have to you know what i i paid five bucks for paramount plus i need to watch this whole damn thing you you need to send them a bill (laughs) yeah get your five bucks back (laughs) and it's renewed for season two (laughs) everyone hated it but everyone did not hate the last of us (laughs) I was about to say, maybe it's time to revive Screen Jumper. God. Yeah, <laughs> give this, give this show. Oh, an, you an would, autopsy. you would enjoy shitting on this show, <laughs> and you never even played the games. No, the the original trilogy of I Halo. I played Combat Evolved, but that's it because it's on PC. I think all of them are on PC now. Yeah, they are now. Yeah, they're all on the Xbox Game Pass. Yeah, the Master oh Chiefs collection. You're, <laughs> you're, you're giving me temptations. <laughs> Okay, going back to The Last of Us. Okay, so before we go any further, we need to jump into this. We need to jump into the story. Who would like to volunteer to summarize the whole plot of part one of The Last of Us? 
Doug. Noah. <laughs> Noah. <laughs> Doug. Aaron. Thank you for, thank you oh, for volunteering. Thank Noah. You for, <laughs> Noah. Joe. Me. <laughs> Got the wires crossed. You, know, you look like one of my friends, oh, Noah. Man. <laughs> and my brain went to weird places. Oh, boy. All right, Doug. Well, hi, I'm Noah, and I'm about ready to, you know, summarize <laughs> The Last of Us for you. So, uh, The Last of Us is a survival uh, horror apocalyptic story about basically um, the something called cordyceps, which is like a fungal infection um, that takes over the mind of its host, basically evolves and, you know, uh, starts taking over the human race, turns us all into mindless, like really weird sounding and terrifying, terrifying zombies that have fungal fungus growing out of their heads and within this apocalyptic story we are introduced to two characters called joel and ellie joel is a man who is you know who has been through a lot and we're first introduced through him to this story and his beginning is very tragic very uh dark and um after a, a very set of unfortunate events where he loses his daughter we fast forward to 20 years later where he is surviving in this post-apocalyptic society who's trying to, you know, uh, who have basically this group called the Fireflies and um, the main group, which I can't remember their names, but they're government run. Fedra. Fedra, yes. Which is like so, a, it's like FEMA, but with the serial numbers filed off. Yes, yes. It's, it's, it's not a good organization to be a part of, nor is like the Fireflies. Both sides are like always filing always constantly fighting but the fireflies have their hands on this young girl named ellie who is uh who is revealed to have been infected and she has survived a bite from the cordyceps zombies from the clickers and that is no bueno for everyone because you know there's a, a system where they scan you and if it comes up red they will shoot you immediately and if she comes up red no one's going to stop to wonder and realize you know hey is she infected at all mm-hmm. so through a set of unfortunate events you know they're trying to get and move ellie out west to a facility and they end up crossing paths with joel and joel has to is basically kind of forced to take this girl under her his wing and take her across the uh the uh, united states to seek a cure and basically the story is basically their survival and them uh basically discovering what lengths they would go to to almost protect one another right yeah a good summary that is good yeah so the last of us shows a zombie apocalypse so if it's not really zombies it's like a fungal parasite yeah. infection type yeah. thing that clickers the brain which i thought was so ingenious to do because like if there was a zombie apocalypse it would probably be that because like it's already real yeah it affects bugs like that yeah um and then we have the i mean this main, the main storyline is that joel is trying to get ellie because ellie is immune to mm-hmm. the cordyceps disease and they're trying to figure out how they can harvest whatever is inside her that makes her immune and make a vaccine out of that that's like the main storyline of this. And yes. before we go any further, I want to bring up, like, I don't know when production began when making this story or for, for HBO, but like this feels like a very much a post-COVID commentary on the pandemic mm-hmm. type show. I mean, the story was written like, what, 
10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So building blocks are already there yeah. way before COVID. Yeah. But I, it, it, it has a distinct relevance now that we've lived through a pandemic. Yeah. And I mean, and that's one element that they never really, you know, explained, you know, in in the in the video game series and bringing that into the show, making it like more current. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about this yet, uh, but the uh, the whole intro with the cordyceps mm-hmm. and the scientist guys. Um, that was amazing. Yeah. Who it's was, like a talk show from who's like played by, the 60s. 60s. Yeah. John Hanna, who, I mean, I don't know if you guys will ever recognize him from like the mummy and the mummy returns. <gasps> that was him. Oh. Yeah. Oh that was Dr. Newman. God. Oh my God. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I mean, I say the first three episodes, they never explain it in the show, but they kind of subtly reveal like the origin of like the cordyceps and like where they came from mm-hmm. um i thought that was a fantastic you know terrifying you know a- addition to this show i mean they because in the in the game they never explained it mm. right in the show it was like like a flower factory in yeah. jakarta I yeah think. in jakarta yeah because like the the flower served as like a like a food for the fungus or something yeah. Which makes sense. But yeah, no, yeah, that opening scene, though, with the doctors when they were talking about the fungus, uh, I, like, I, I just stopped right there and I was like, damn, this could be happening right now. We wouldn't even, we, we wouldn't be able to stop it. Yeah, we, we have, yeah, the there's like a, there's two epidemiologists on there. One of them is like, uh, you know, there's like bacteria and viruses out there, but like, we'll be fine because, you know, we, we've survived them all before. We have like vaccines and treatment and stuff so like yeah not that big a deal then the other guy is like we have nothing against fungi yep and the other epidemiologist is like you know they can't survive in humans because you know they can't survive past 94 degrees fahrenheit yeah and he's like yeah that might be true but you know if for example the world starts to get a little bit warmer uh, i might prompt them to evolve in such a way to account for that warmth and they then could survive in uh in human bodies and then like all the air gets let out of the room when everyone's like, ah, fuck. Yep. <laughs> we got nothing against this. I remember the talk show host kind of looking like uncomfortable in his seat. It's like he's supposed to keep everyone from like, you know, feeling that way a little bit too. Yeah. Like, he's like cracking jokes and, you know, kind of lightly mocking the fun- fungus guy. But then yeah. like towards the end, he's just like, yeah. we'll be back. Yep. <laughs> we'll be right back after these messages from Dove Soap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean that that setup, like it, it definitely was like a exposition dump to to tell the viewer, like, okay, this is going to be the origin of, mm-hmm. and it, that just blew my mind because, like, even though it serves to explain the world away for me as mm-hmm. as I'm watching this, it's also like low key, like a little reminder, like, oh, well, you know, the, our world's heating up, climate change, global warming, mm-hmm. and this fungus already exists yeah yep like you see it in bugs mm-hmm. that's that's where my mind went immediately when i was watching this i was like this is real already. yeah um so safe to assume this part of the of the series was added to the series it's not in the game correct yes okay. yeah they never added any of that to the game they didn't they didn't waste any time explaining to you like how it like happened who was like what was ground zero what was ground one what caused it so that, that's part of the game what or, or are you talking about the the series where they like explain like how it actually happened? oh no i'm talking about the game yeah they never explained it in the series okay. in the game because in the beginning you have like this 
static feed montage as like the credits are rolling, a little cinematic. Yeah, the um, kind of the Day of the Dead opening. Yes, where it's, where it's like all these like, oh, you know, reports, you know, and, oh, the people are getting mad at rioting. Oh, they're actually infected. And it's a pandemic. That's, a, that's how the game opens. Okay. Which I think the TV show is stronger by having that 1960s talk show where they're having the scientists on. Mm. Kind of like the the Behringers of bad news, like you know, mm-hmm. this is this is probably Harbingers. Gonna, Harbinger, yes, Harbingers. Behringers, a music gear Harbinger. company. <laughs> the Marshalls. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I think that sets up the world a lot more effectively than having like the video game where it's like static feed and you know, yeah, it, it's it's hokey. It's been done before. This is more cinematic, and it sets up the world a lot better. And seeing the fall, like the zombie apocalypse, ground zero type events that we've all seen, Dawn of the Dead, Shaun mm-hmm. of the Dead, mm-hmm. Day of the Dead. Yeah. <laughs> they all do it. And I've never seen something so elaborate mm-hmm. done before with like a giant 747 crashing into the ground. Yeah. In yeah. the background, I'm like, oh my God. Okay. Uh, I want to talk about- Lay it out. Onboarding. Onboarding. Okay. So onboarding is- when you're telling a story, when you're making a show, a movie, a game even, there's a certain amount of information that you need the audience to be aware of before they can proceed forward. Yes. Mm-hmm. How do you give that information out? Um, that, and that's there, there's a lot of different ways to do it. And I think um, I am in agreement with you that it seems like the series does it really well uh, compared to the game. Maybe the game does it enough, but yeah. um, especially for people like me who never played you're going to have you're going to need some information going in. So there's different ways to do it. Star Wars is probably the most famous, just has scrolling text and you're just dropped in the middle of it and it's like 2 minutes and like bam, all you need to know. Okay, here we go. And then we go on a journey. Um the I guess the most like clichéd way to do it is like a voiceover. Um in but the world. It, it can it can be done well like the Avatar the Last Airbender series like yes. little voiceover before every episode that tells you like the short history of like how all this came to be and it's and like the Fire Nation attacked. Yeah, it's like Fire. great. That's all I need to know. And then you can go. Um there I'm, I'm trying to think of a bad example specifically, but I know the trope where they don't tell you like anything and it's left as a mystery and you uh, M Night Shyamalan? It, it, sure. Yeah. We'll go with that. But it's like <laughs> You're given like no information about how any of this works, and you're you're like my parents, pausing every five minutes, like what? What's happening? Confused, yeah, lost. You're in the dark. Yeah, um, there, there's ways to do that where if the central idea is supposed to be a mystery, and the the mm-hmm. movie or show is about that, then you can kind of discover along with the characters. But so often I see it done really, really poorly. Um, I do have a bad example actually. Do you remember the series uh, Ruby? R W B Y by Red versus Blue. Yeah. Oh, shit. Here they, we go. They, that's a throwback. But they, yeah, they did it really poorly because really? they, they do have a they do have a, a voiceover. I met all intro. of them. I should have told them, hey, <laughs> your show sucks. I, I think they would agree. Um, <laughs> but uh, they, they have like a R.A.P. Monty. Um, they, they do have a voiceover intro and it tells you a little bit about like how dust works. But then like they don't explain how semblances work. And they don't explain like how magic works and how they're even all different because visually they all look the same. And they doesn't up... matter to weebs. Uh, <laughs> I think you should tell a good story no matter which audience it is. Um, Amen. And they ended up making like a whole like separate like side show 
where they had to explain everything in the universe. And it's like, that's not how you do it. <laughs> that's not how you do it whatsoever. Um, and, and I guess you can also err on the side of like explaining things too much where it's like, th th there is no like mystery or tension or it, it's, it's just like way too much detail. And I know star Wars has fallen into this at times. Um, yeah. so mm -hmm. it, it, finding the right strategy to give that necessary information to your audience is super important. It's also yes. something I've been trying to get better at as a DM for my tabletop games is like, how do I explain the information the players need to know in a way that's like dramatic and interesting and not going to bore them to tears. Sometimes I just straight up tell them this is how it works. <laughs> and it's because you're playing a game. You should know that how the rules yes. of the game work. Yep. Other times it's like, let's, let's, make this a little bit more of a mystery or is there like a dramatic scene where the characters involved where the characters involved can in the course of just acting out drama, like impart that information or you can do it like star Wars where it's like the people already know in the universe, how it works. They just mention it and move on. And if you have enough context clues, you can just get how it works. And the way the last of us treated us learning about what's going on, because, like, right in the beginning, we had, like, that talk show where it's like, oh, there's a fungal parasite that could control your brain. And then we flash forward to 2003, where we're following Joel, Joel's mm -hmm. daughter. Mm -hmm. And they're taking the Shaun of the Dead route, where all of the things that are build the world are happening in the background. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. the, char the characters are going on with their lives. Yeah. And in the background, we as audience know, oh, God, there's going to be a zombie apocalypse. The characters don't know that. And we see all the breadcrumbs like coming together. We mm -hmm. see like, you know, jet fighters going through the air. Uh, people are like closing down shop early where she gets the watch for, for Joel. Mm -hmm. Elderly neighbor is being a creep in the background. Yes. Like there's, there's these little, little tiny hints that will pay off later. And I think that's a way more effective way. Like we're not in the dark. The characters are in the dark. Yeah. Like we should be knowing what the characters are going to do. And how they're going to act like we shouldn't be confused about the world that we're playing in. Right. If you're going to reveal stuff, it should be about the characters, which mm. the show does. We yes. learn as we go through the story, we learn more about Joel. We learn more about Ellie. We even learn more about Joel's like family, you know, his daughter, his brother, like that is spoon fed to us. Well, the world is not, we need to know what's going on in the world. Hmm. I like that that point that you brought up. The rules of the world should be clear, mm -hmm. but what can be discovered and revealed is about the characters. Yeah. I think that's a good kind of solid foundation to build upon, no matter what, how you're going to onboard that information to your audience. Yeah, and going back off, you know, like the world building too, like right after that opening sequence, you know, with the um, with the doctors, we're introduced to our characters, and in the background, you can hear on the radio that there was a uh, explosion in Jakarta, and that mm -hmm. you know stuff is already starting to go down. You're like, if if you pick up on that and then watch episode two, the beginning of episode two, you immediately immediately know, oh my god, this is what was happening pretty much at that point in time. Yeah, yeah. they. I noticed that the first few episodes, they kind of like jump back and forth between like 2003 and 2023, yeah. um, and I could see that going really poorly, but they somehow managed to pull it off in a way where it doesn't lose you yeah, and doesn't like dissolve that tension. Cause you learn the context of what's happening now in 2023, you know? Okay. Yep. Because like you have you know, everything, everything has a payoff because like you, you, we flash forward to Joel and 
his whole family's gone. He's alone. He's in this like police state mm-hmm. encampment where the last remnants of society is there. And it's like, well, how did we get here? And then we flash back to 2003. It's like, oh, this is what happened. Mm. Just fast forward 20 years. Of course, it's going to look like this. Yeah. And they also, they stopped doing flashbacks after, I think, like episode four or five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it was after episode three was the last episode where they had the, like the 2003 flashbacks, I think. Yeah. So I could see that conceit kind of wearing thin if if, if that was the case for the whole series, but yeah, I'm glad they didn't do that for the whole series. They mm-hmm. could have easily have done that, and I'm glad they didn't. I'm glad it was, it was a low hanging fruit. Yeah, and they chose not to grab it. Good. They're like, no, we're better than this. <laughs> Good. But there was one episode with a flashback that I, when it happened, I'm like, of course, this is happening with Ellie and her friend. Yes. That's when mm. the show. I Tell was us like, about it. Okay, so. As the story goes on, we learn that Ellie is immune and... Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. On her arm, she was like bit and it's like it healed over over like a certain amount of weeks. And like Mm -hmm. for everyone else, all the normies, if you get bit by the next day, you're going to be a mushroom head. Yeah. Yeah. 24 hours, I think. Yeah. So Ellie clearly healed from Mm -hmm. her encounter. And then we see that encounter happen. And it was when her and her friend, her friend is from Euphoria. They're just friends. Just roommates. (laughs) Did they kiss? Yeah. They did kiss. Ellie does kiss her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that. Um, Yeah. So like her special friend. (laughs) Her friend joins the Fireflies, which is this rebellion group against Fedra and whatever America has become at this point. Mm-hmm. And they're in this mall, which is cool because it's all liminal space. Yeah. Um, dead. Uh, it's like it's, it's really cool. They're playing in the arcade and uh, Cordyceps uh, attacks them and they both get bit. Mm-hmm. And her friend turns. Ellie doesn't. That whole episode. Was like, oh god! It felt like Stranger Things mm. when uh, Eleven had her side adventure for an entire yeah. episode with and, like her weird British friends. Yes, she became emo for one yeah. episode. She became, like, punk. <laughs> and he's like, okay, we're gonna go back. It's like, okay, I don't mind learning this information about who Ellie was before she met Joel, but it's like you need an entire episode dedicated to this. I didn't. I didn't think so. 
Doug, I feel like you're you're disagreeing with me. So I was sick when I was watching that episode, and no, I'm, I'm going to agree was with you. I was. <laughs> it could have been. Arguably, I was like, I was like, am I going to die? Am I going to become a clicker? Got, got the yeast infection. <laughs> I remember watching that episode, Armand, and I remember texting my friend. I was like, I don't know if it's just me or if I was sick, but I was falling asleep during that episode a little bit. It wasn't. Felt like filler. It was. Yeah. It's it only felt, cracking the armor. For it felt. Show. Uh, I mean, it felt a little long, but I mean, it could have maybe have gotten to you know its point a little bit sooner. But um, yeah, it 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 it. it Took a little bit too long of a time, maybe, for the payoff to finally happen. Mm. We all saw it coming. I mean, I knew it was coming the whole entire episode. What wasn't that episode based off a DLC? I so I don't remember like DLC. I don't. (laughs) I don't remember any of that part actually from the show, to be honest. So I can't really remember if you know they if they took that if that was like a copy and paste from the show at all. Could have been. I think it was DLC. It could have been a normal mini series is eight episodes. This was nine episodes. Oh, I, I, I mean, forgot well, about the one in the chamber. <laughs> <laughs> this is a whole different. Ep- this is a whole different discussion. But I think it should be had been ten episodes. Oh, but um, cool. okay, we'll get there. But we'll get there. <laughs> but yeah, going back to that uh, episode with Ellie and uh, her friend. Yeah, I uh, I don't know what it was. I just it it felt long. It was boring. Mm. Nothing happened. It, it was like, oh yeah, all this is for Ellie is happening, and it's like, okay, I know the sense of dread is coming. You're already playing the music. Just get it over with. Mm. And it showed the the zombie thirty minutes before it attacked. Yeah, so it's like there's no tension there. Well, the tension is well, I guess tension, dread, like oh, it, it's something's gonna come. Mm. Watch out! But like, it was way too long. It's like you almost yeah. forgot about it. You can't hold tension forever. It has to be paced really well. And it felt like mm-hmm. that was just like they blew their load too early. And it's like <laughs> it was like five minutes of tension. Like blew their could, load. Yeah. All right. What do I do now? Do I just stand here? <laughs> Guess I'll clean up. <laughs> yeah. You know what I do now that now that I uh, think about back to it. Now I do remember when I was watching that with my parents, they were like, so when's that zombie going to come back again? <laughs> they said that. Even they knew. I think I remember that. Yeah. Mm. God, I was, I was like, all right. It, it like, was, it was some nice development for Ellie. Oh yes, um, it was, but it didn't have to dedicate an entire episode. It could have been yeah. like, it could have been like ten minutes, like all the other flashbacks we got in this show was yeah. like nice short little snippets. Like she could have been like looking at her arm. This is like the shitty way to do it. Mm. Oh man, and then it's like a match cut. Yeah, then it goes back to when she got it. It's like oh, and then oh yeah. I'm a. I would be a hack screenwriter, unlike <laughs> Doug over here. Yeah, but that's how you would do. It. It's like okay, it's like that makes sense in the context, but yeah, an entire episode. And it was like halfway through, I'm like, fuck, this is gonna be the whole episode. <laughs> We're not gonna see because like the thing is, before that episode, Joel gets like shot or something or stabbed. No, yeah, yeah. stabbed. Got yeah, he gets stabbed by the yes. Marauders. So I was like, I want to know what's going on with that. Yeah. And now we have to take. Hold on. Pause. Let's learn. Let's learn about Ellie's backstory. It's like fuck. I don't mind learning backstory, but I have to do an entire episode to this thing. Yeah, I agreed. My attention started wandering. I like got up and got something to eat. Just had it on in the background. (laughs) Took a bathroom break. It was the bathroom break part. Yeah. All right. Be right back. (laughs) Learning nothing new. Yep. Kind of some seems like they were trying to capture you know Bill and Frank 
from episode three. Yes. That like that, the magic of that, that episode again. And yeah, I mean, I preferred that episode three over that other oh, yes. flashback. Episode. Cause it was as Martin Scorsese would put it, pure cinema. Oh my God, <laughs> yeah. dude. That was, that, I was about to ask like, what was your favorite episode? And that would have been my answer. Yeah. Me yep. too. Like Nick that, Offerman. Yep. I mean, you can't go wrong with Nick Offerman. Yeah. And like start to finish. He was just charming mm-hmm. the whole time. Like going into it, I, I, knew, I knew nothing. I heard, you know, I watched the show late. I watched this like two months later after premiere. <laughs> yeah. And I heard everyone was like, oh my God, Nick Offerman's episode. Oh, this is the greatest episode of television history. And I never understood why. And like going into it, I, I, I was, I was taken on a ride oh. and it was beautiful. Yeah. I got a motion. It, it's a, it's a lovely little love story. Yes. And Nick, Nick Hofferman, he, he, he just kind of like parachutes into these like different projects <laughs> where you never expect him. No. Like, um, I was watching, um, this Hulu show about, uh, the Pamela Anderson, Anderson, uh, sex tape. Oh, um, he's Pam and Tom, Pam, Pam and Tommy. Tommy. Yeah. Yes. He's in that. Yeah. He plays like this, like, oh, yes. yeah. have you seen it? No, I just heard about he, it. He plays this like porn director. Like this complete scumbag, and he's he plays like the the guy who basically like uh, purchases the sex tape and like oh duplicates God. it to like send it out on mail order. And but he's like he's got like long hair and he's like got like different like facial hair going on. He's like made up, and I like just didn't recognize him until I like read the credits. I'm like Nick Offerman, but yeah, he's he's great in that. He's great in this. <laughs> And in this, he was pretty much Ron Swanson's wet dream. Yeah. <laughs> There's a bunker underneath his house. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean. But he's got a soft spot because he never learned to love. Yeah. Because he never found the right guy. Yeah. Never found the right guy. <laughs> Until he found one that he trapped. Yeah. Well, love can bloom on the battlefield. <laughs> According to uh, Metal Gear. Um, yeah, he... Uh, I don't know. This is like a really when they talk about like writing good like gay characters, like this is a prime example. Well yes. done. I didn't expect this story to to feature a homosexual couple or a a prepper, yeah, or anything. I just knew Nick Offerman was in it. For all I knew, I thought it was, I thought I thought it was going to be the episode of him like lamenting the death of his family or something. Because mm. the only picture I saw was like him. Didn't see anybody else. At a dinner table, and I was like, "Is this like a whole episode of him monologuing?" <laughs> yeah, it's like, "Oh man, my life and this and that." And then what we got was like this beautiful snapshot of like an entire relationship of this couple. They meet, you know, they develop this bond. They fall in love. They grow old together. Mm-hmm. I, I just thought it was perfectly well done. And the thing is, Doug, you probably know this. Mm-hmm. That episode, Aaron, was originally supposed to be over two hours. Oh, and they cut it down. Oh I didn't. I, I did not know that. You didn't know that? No. Originally, it was supposed to be over two hours. G- give and me the two-hour version yeah. of it. I want it. <laughs> That's, I think we all want it. Yeah. So if this is ever released on DVD, Blue Blu-ray, give me the unrated 4K, cut. <laughs> I want the full thing. Yeah. Director's cuts. Because I hope it happens. Because that 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 whole episode that. Like all that backstory wasn't in in the game. They changed up his whole entire. They changed oh. up a majority of his storyline because you know I don't want to get too far into spoilers because I mean he eventually you know meets Ellie in in the video game. 
there's banter between them two that's okay. just amazing. I didn't get that far in the cinematics. <laughs> um, but I heard like, but I mean, Frank's already dead in the video game. Yeah, at yeah. Points. Yeah, you meet just Bill. Yeah, you meet just Bill. And you know, when I was watching that the whole entire episode, I was like, I remember none of this. And I'm like sitting there, I'm like just like in tears, sobbing like the whole entire episode. My dad's like, Is there any clickers coming in? Like, <laughs> I'm like, Don't look at me right now. I'm an emotional mess. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I never knew Frank's story. This is beautiful. Oh. Uh, yeah, that was a that was a I'll give me the two hour version of that now. <laughs> yeah, I want it. I want it right now. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, it's just funny because like typically you don't picture a doomsday prepper like that. Yeah, no. they're usually like uh, I don't know, super macho, super hetero. Like, yeah, super conservative. Mm-hmm. <laughs> gonna go hunting. I'm gonna listen to Alex Jones. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and like, oh my god, like in the beginning where like Fedra is like uh, searching his house, and like when he like looks up, he's like, "You New World Order Jack Boot fuckers!" I was like, <laughs> I stood up and I cheered. I was like, "Yeah!" <laughs> And then this beautiful story unfolded. I was like, oh, my God, this is this is incredible. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like it's not a sideshow, though, because you, you mentioned um, the episode where, like, Ellie goes to the mall and that felt like a sideshow and, like, it didn't really connect at all. <laughs> um, but episode three didn't. Why do you think that is? I think because it tied into Joel, Joel and Tess. Mm-hmm. I think that's, like, a huge reason because I was even watching it, like, it even, okay. Here's the thing. It details, it's like one of those flashbacks where it like shows the world. It's mm-hmm. world building. It's just through this different character. It's not Joel, it's through Bill. And it's also tied into Joel's story because they develop a rapport. It shows Bill showing he could trust people. Like he trusted Frank because he's an outsider. He's a prepper. Mm-hmm. He only wants to survive alone. But then he realizes he can't do it alone. He wants to love. He fell in love with Frank. And he learned to trust strangers, Joel and Tess. And they even had this, like, he was the guy on the radio, right? He was the guy yes. on the radio yes. playing the songs. Yes. So they had, so, like, when you realize that as you're watching, it's like, oh, my God, this guy's technically been part of the story this entire time. Mm. And I think that fit into the world, and it, like, grew the world even bigger. So when we got to Ellie and her friend's story in the mall, that felt like a side adventure because we already, we didn't learn anything new. I okay. mean, we kind of learned how she got bits and like she lost someone very close to her, but like it didn't expand the world that we're watching. Mm. You know, it wasn't like, what's the word? It, it was like learning how Darth Vader got his armor. Like, who the fuck cares? <laughs> <laughs> he said, no. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think that's the biggest thing. And that, it felt shoehorned. Okay. Like it, there was no heart. Like me engaging with these characters, I cared about these characters because like they're almost human, they're almost like real people. Mm-hmm. While Ellie and the other actress, I don't want to knock them, they're kid actors, but it's like it just wasn't good. It was very shallow. It felt, I don't want to say like a filler episode, but it was borderline filler episode. Yeah. Like how do you feel about it? Yeah, I, well, what you brought up about, um, you know, the episode three story kind of 
tying into themes of like love. Um, I think that's kind of where for me, it works really well Um, because at the, at the core of this whole series is the relationship uh, between Joel and Ellie and like how far each one is willing to go uh, for each other. Mm -hmm. Um, Not only out of self-preservation, but out of love. And as we'll get to, I'm sure uh, Joel goes pretty fucking far um, to uh, uh, out of love and to protect and to protect someone else. So I think that's kind of uh, uh, a setup for the eventual payoff Mm. of, um, showing what yeah. Joel's willing to do, yeah, and we we see it in a different context and um in a very beautifully told story. You know the 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 content of it isn't different. It's not like, um, you know Frank goes on this like killing spree, um, but uh, <laughs> all the same, it, it shows like how in the most unlikely circumstances, uh, love can be found and it can be a kind of force that brings out the best in people yeah so that, that that's to me why that works and we have like a paint by numbers version of that with the the whole ellie backstory thing but there was no sacrifice right it's not like her friend who was going to join the fireflies was like you know what never mind and well you know what let's infiltrate the the fireflies or like do something that puts her life on the line yeah for mm-hmm. ellie that doesn't happen. Yeah, that's that's why I call it a paint by numbers version because it's like the pieces are all there, but still looks kind of shitty. Yeah. Oh my god! Like that—that's such a great setup because I didn't even think of it that way. But it's absolutely true because like what Bill does for Frank because Frank's like I don't know what he has maybe like MS or something. Yeah, some or kind of degenerative disease. Yeah, or he's not getting better, and he chooses the humane way. Of like, okay, I'm going to crush up a whole bunch of pills, overdose, mm. you fall asleep, then you'll die. And Bill does that too. Yeah. He's like, you know what? Yeah. Like, I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. Lived a good life. I can't imagine living it without you. Let's go out together. Yep. Let's and that's, get gay married. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll go for it. He puts himself on the line. Yeah. Like, he makes that sacrifice. And then Joel does that too, multiple times mm. for Ellie. Like, let's get into it. Because like... We have that encounter with other survivors in, well, before we get there, we, uh, he reunites with his brother. They're in this beautiful (laughs) community where everyone's working together. Jackson, Wyoming, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And then after that, because he has to deliver Ellie to the hospital Mm -hmm. for the cure and all that stuff, they run into marauders or vagabonds, whatever, Bandits. bandits, and they were tied to this larger group, I guess a a cult, I guess. Yeah. Religious cults where some patriarch. Oh, yeah, with the preacher man. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the preacher. Oh, yes. Yeah. That was in the game? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. And, like, what's revealed? The multiple things. Like, that episode, because, like, I'm a big Walking Dead fan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Walking Dead walked so The Last of Us could mm. run. Because, like, I was watching. There's a whole bunch of different plot points that the walking dead tracks, but like the last of us just did a phenomenal job so mm. much better. And oh. one of them is the cannibalism, uh, plot points in the small town where they're running out of food. It's winter and it's not telegraphed, but like, it's kind of in the back of your mind. It's like, are they eating people? And that's revealed mm. at the end that they're eating people. And they were going to do that to Ellie. They mm. captured Ellie. 
like Joel is like bleeding out and he fucking kills the people that are trying to catch him because he killed their people. Mm -hmm. And then he rescues Ellie at the mouth of the beast of the preacher man. Mm He's also a pedophile. Yeah. Tried a rapist. All of it. Uh, Just check off all the boxes. (laughs) What don't you like? (laughs) Put it in this man. Well, I mean, he doesn't really save Ellie. Ellie saves herself, and then he, you know, runs into her. Yes. Mm. Yeah, that's a turning point for Ellie. Yeah. Yes. She takes a life. Yes. Well, she took that's... a friend's life. Yeah, that doesn't count. Okay. <laughs> that, also... that episode doesn't count. <laughs> I don't think she beat her friend's face in <laughs> with a blunt object. In a way, it's no. also a turning point for Joel in the series at the same time, because it's the... First time he calls her baby girl mm. since yes. the beginning of the, uh, since episode one. And I just bawled my eyes out when, yeah. as soon as I heard that. He becomes daddy. Mm. Da- daddy Pedro. <laughs> oh. My what? slutty daddy. I'm sorry. I had to say it. <laughs> I mean, reluctant father uh, archetype trying to guide a child through a dangerous, dangerous landscape. This hot right now. This yes. is the way. This, this is, is the way. way. Um, I wanted to ask, maybe this is not the right time for it, um, but I wanted to ask, because uh, this show has a lot of like Venn diagram crossover with The Walking Dead. Yes. But mm-hmm. it feels really different. And I'm curious. I, I've watched like one season of The Walking Dead, and then I had my fill. The Frank Darabont one? Mm-hmm. That's the only good the one. Best, the best yeah. one? The best one. Um, so I, I'm curious to hear from either of you, like, why you think these shows feel so different from each other when theoretically they have a lot in common. Would you like to go first, Doug? I can I can just yeah. gush about Frank Darabont the whole time. Yeah, I mean, well, I, as much as I love the first season of The Walking Dead, I own it in Blu-ray. Seasons, as soon as you hit season two, it becomes, I feel like it becomes more of like a soap opera to me. And it becomes, I mean, yes, you have plenty of Walking Dead action, but, you know, a lot of the storylines for The Walking Dead feel redundant. Mm. Past season me. three. Past season, Maybe yeah. four. Like when the governor was around, it's like, oh, cool. Because they lost me at like season six or seven. and That's when it started getting stretched thin. And it was because it was it felt like the same things over and over League and of, over. Mm. And then they were like, the oh, League yeah, show. we're going we're gonna to kill off Rick Grimes. Yeah, that's when I start get, stopped giving oh. a shit. I was like, you killed yep. – it's like killing off Joel. They it's didn't like, – like, It's like I don't give a fuck anymore. <laughs> well, the, the prob- whole point the problem watching this story – is for this relationship of like Carl and Rick. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we have that with Joel and Ellie, but go on. Doug. But, you know, they, they quote unquote killed him off just to set him up for more movies. I was just like, oh, oh my, my God. God. Okay. Did he come back lost, as a zombie? You lost me. No, he's still you alive. Lost me. Oh, my God. That's that. That was the case. That was the end of the show for me, especially when Carl and Rick were no longer on the show. Because they were the well, we two, first Darryl. two characters that we if were Darryl introduced dies, to. Daryl dies, we riot. Yeah, God. Daryl dies, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> the only person I really cared about was Carl. Oh. They got rid of him eventually, too, so I was like, okay, I'm Shitty done. end for his character, too. Yep. He killed himself. Oh. What? <laughs> yeah. I think he got bit, right? I think he got bit. And, then and he was like, himself. well, all right. I don't know. Blam. And I'm like... What's the point oh. of the show? What's yeah. the point of the show? Yeah. What, is this Dumb. just misery porn at this point? I suppose. The Last of Us had a point. And the Last of Us feels like it's going to have an end, unlike The Walking Dead. Mm. Let me tell you another point. Of why the, it's the same plot points, but like 
Joel and Ellie. Joel lost his daughter in the beginning of the outbreak. Mm-hmm. Uh, U.S. soldier shoots, you know, trying to quarantine. Yep. Attempts to kill them both, shoots his daughter, and it's almost beat for beat, exact the same in the game and the TV show. Yeah. I both choked up mm-hmm. watching it happen twice. <laughs> I choke up every time. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, he didn't have another daughter. I mean, he kind of had a romantic relationship with Tess, mm-hmm. a woman mm-hmm. he found in uh, the Fedra camp. Um, but like Ellie showed him that he could love again and he can love a daughter or a girl that isn't his daughter the same way that he loves his daughter mm-hmm. that died. That's why he carries around the watch with a bullet hole in it mm-hmm. as a reminder to carry her memory and never forget. And yeah, he he finds that again in someone else. Mm. It's like, oh my god, I have to take care of her. Like it's because in the beginning you see that evolution where like this is an assignment to like get like a car battery or a truck or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the game it's different, it's guns. <laughs> um and then through the journey, he he cares about her. He even loves her. Yeah. And with The Walking Dead, you have that in the beginning seasons. And then it turns into zombie kill of the week. Mm. Okay. <laughs> because like it's the yeah. intent. HBO is not trying to monetize this show. Mm-hmm. AMC wanted to monetize The Walking Dead. I see. Because it started with season two. Because season two had double the amount of episodes of The Walking Dead with the same exact budget as season one, which oh. had six episodes. Really? Yes. Oh. And that's that's what, what they came up with season? Yeah. So they fired Frank Darabont, got this other dude, hired gun. Uh, double the episodes, same budget. So that's why they're on the farm the whole time. Mm, they couldn't really do God. much with it because they wanted to monetize this shit out of the show because season one was such a big success. They're like, all right, so we have our cash cow. Yep. That's why I'm glad they didn't do that with The Last of Us, like drag, season, drag Last of Us throughout like multiple seasons. They could have done if it. If they mm-hmm. did that, they pr- people would watch it. People would watch it. I probably would have watched it, too. Um. <laughs> we all would have watched it. But it wouldn't be a critical acclaim status. Yeah. It feels like that. People would be like, oh, God, it's The Walking Dead again. Yeah. Because, I mean, I mean, people think of, uh, you know, you, you think of Last of Us, you know, me as playing the video games. I've, the first thing I think of are, like, the clickers and those being terrifying. You know, the show, The Last of Us, unlike The Walking Dead, you know, yes, it becomes, like, Zombie Kill of the Week. It becomes, like, you know... Oh, how many zombies are we going to meet this episode with 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 the last of us? The cordyceps become kind of almost like into the background and we're more about talk. We're more focused on the characters and like the horrors. Mm -hmm. The same thing with Walking Dead, except, you know, the Walking Dead couldn't walk that fine line of, you know, human drama and zombies. I feel like, you know. In this one, they push the cordyceps even further back, and they bring the characters more to the forefront, which mm. I appreciate more. I feel like yes, it's okay. It it really touches upon all the Walking Dead stuff because, like, in the beginning of the the Last of Us, the focus was oh my god, the zombies are the big threat, and then by the end of the show, it's like oh my god, people are actually shitty. Yes, mm. the people that they're that are the threat. Yes. Yeah. And isn't that like what most 
like good zombie media does. It's not about the zombies themselves, but it's using them as a as a way to explore like different aspects of humanity. They try to. Yes. The good ones. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's why I said we'd try to. <laughs> yeah, cuz like um one of the of the dead movies. I can never remember which Dawn. one's which. Uh the one where it's at a mall. Dawn of the, Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, it's like the motorcycle gang. Three yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like cool. That's a way to explore like uh consumerism and how it uses zombies as a metaphor for that. Yeah. Um there's aspects of the original one where uh race was a part of it and yes. using that as kind of like uh social commentary. Mm-hmm. Um but it, it sounds like what you're saying after season one of Walking Dead it became about the zombies themselves and kind of lost the plot as far as like exploring the human yeah. condition. Yeah, the special effects artist Greg Nicotero, who started off as like, you know, he's been in a whole bunch of horror films. He's mm-hmm. an icon mm-hmm. special effects. He was a special effects dude for Walking Dead and then as for the later seasons, he became director. Oh. So I was like, look how oh, awesome no. my special effects are. No. Effects. <laughs> and like, to be honest, his episodes weren't that great. He's yeah. not a director. <laughs> like he, he makes an awesome, you know, zombie makeup walker person. But like, he's no director. You know who the best guy to organize this entire shoot is? Who? The prop maker. <laughs> no disrespect to prop makers. They do an incredible oh, amount of work. Um, recently on uh, WSTR, not to plug my own thing, but uh, we were yeah. talking about like the different the different creatures of uh, specifically the Rise of Skywalker. And it's oh, like, yeah. there's a ton of great designs. A lot of great. Um, the, the top yeah. complained the whole time. Yes. <laughs> we both did. That's, uh, what, that's his fandom menace moments. It's yeah. The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Yeah, we we trashed on that movie the whole time, but he re- uh, the facade was li- the the veil was lifted. Like, oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But we saw like all of these uh, different alien and creature designs. Most of them like actually made and in the movie, but for like ten seconds at Bob, a time. Bob if Freak. that. Yeah, and then it's like hey. then they move on. It's like what a what what a travesty to like commission all of this fantastic work and then it amounts to nothing for a dog shit yeah. movie. Yeah. For ten seconds it's like Well Babu freaks in uh, the Mando. Yeah. Hey. I mean they're they're enjoyable because I just imagine them as like a bunch of like I uh, hated the old, movie. old Italian men from Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> no fix, no fix. Fix it again, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> And when he popped up at Mando, I was like, yeah, Babu Freak, even though the movie he was originally in was awful. Yeah. They they knew what people would remember. Yes, that's correct. All right, Doug. What were we talking about? We were talking about The Walking Dead. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Don't let the prop makers be in charge of that's right. direction. Yeah, like, God. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's a big revelation. And like with The Last of Us, they're not having the people that made the clickers direct scenes yeah <laughs> yeah that's the, not their job the, the clickers you know they they advance the plot forward their opposition to uh the protagonists and yeah. they're like a threat but the story's not about them no it's about no. joel and ellie you had yeah. one episode that where they were the main set piece mm-hmm. and honestly that's all you needed yeah the walking dead those bloaters like, out there it's every single fucking episode <laughs> it's like it's it's a formula at this point it's like okay yeah. there's gonna be a zombie attack mm-hmm. when is it coming <laughs> yeah it's gonna be one one Specific zombie, like, oh, this one's the mummy zombie. This one's the slimy zombie. Mm. God. Last of Us doesn't do that, thank God. Yeah. Yeah. Whew. Okay. So, 
So yeah, and like like we said before, the heart of it is this uh, sense of sacrifice between Joel. I mean, it's just Joel mm-hmm. sacrificing him going out of his way. Like he could have like near the end of the show, like when he finally surrenders Ellie over to the fireflies, uh, Marlene, right? Marlene, mm-hmm. yeah. The leader of the fireflies and he completed his mission. That's yeah. it. Game's done. Defeated the, the, the bad guy, went to the, did the last mission. Turned in your quest. Yep. Got my loot. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then he realized, no, I can't do this. Yeah. Because then he learned that they were going to dissect her brain. Operate on her. Yeah. Killer. Killer. Yeah. And he loses it. He's like, no. Yeah. And then you have that. Truly, he's putting himself. He goes full Rambo mm-hmm. and kills everybody. Everyone. <laughs> everybody. He goes full John Wick. Yes. Killing everybody. John Wick 5. Yeah. Uh, Doug, yes. how, how does this play out in the game? I remember you're giving two options. You could either sneak around or you could shoot your way Which to one did LA. you choose? I, I shot my way to Ellie. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, after these fireflies, they didn't ask her, you know. WWJD. Hey, are you okay with us dissecting your brain to save the whole entire human race? You're going to die. Okay, thanks. Bye. I was like, no. What what would Joel do? (laughs) What would Joel do? Yeah, what would John Wick do? But yeah, no, yeah, I I chose violence, unfortunately, in Mm. the video game. Nice. How how does it play out if you like spare everyone? I don't, to be honest, I don't remember. Is it like Splinter Cell? Is it like Wolfenstein? That's a throwback. It is a throwback. They're bringing back Splinter Cell too. Oh, Oh, they are? I don't know how how that's going to work, but... (laughs) But yeah, no, yeah, in yeah. the video game, I'm not sure. Uh, uh, fuck this. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. <laughs> Did you kill the doctor and the nurses? Uh, I don't think you're given an option for that part. I think you actually do have to shoot them. I saw, I saw footage where he has like a flamethrower and he torches the doctor. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Holy like shit. Like differences between the game and the show. <laughs> he's, tor- he's like. Yeah. yeah. Maybe less uh, less forgivable <laughs> if it's a flamethrower. <laughs> fuck you. Um, I know in the show, there's some ambiguity about like whether everyone in the hospital like knows what they're doing and he just kind of like kills them all anyway. Is that true in the game as well? I don't remember. He's too busy killing everybody. Fair. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think people were shooting back at me when I was shooting them. So I, I, <laughs> that's I, all the justification you need. <laughs> that, that's all the, yeah, I know, right? Castle law. Baby. Even though, you know, oh killing Ellie was the justification I needed because I was like, I just saved her ass. I brought yeah. her all, all the way over here for you to kill her. Uh-uh. Hmm. I just love in the show where like the doctor, so Joel gets to the operating room and they're about to operate on her. And the doctor's like, no. I can't let you take her. And he has like a scalpel. And Joel shoots him immediately. (laughs) I can't let you take her. Dead. Yep. Immediately. I was like, good. And then he takes uh, Ellie and he confronts Marlene. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I did did not expect this at all. What happened? Doug, can you explain what happened when he encounters Marlene? So... the last time. Yeah, when he... Yeah, so basically they find each other out in like a parking garage. And the Joel basically is carrying Ellie out and Marlene is like, you know, yeah, you, you can like pretty much take her. You can go. It, I'm not going to come after you. And Joel, you know, you could see in Joel's brain, he is thinking the wheels mm-hmm. are turning. Is he, is she really ever going to stop ever coming after Ellie after what he's just done? Right. 
boom, shoots her right there. Yeah. And in the game, I remember that. I remember that part because I was like, I was like, am I on the right side now? I'm like, what Joel is saying is are true. We the yeah, are we the bad guys? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, damn, he shoots her. Like he shoots her, like right then and there in the stomach, cold blood. Oof. Even though you know she survived a gunshot before, I think in the beginning of the in the show, right. in the stomach. But it's okay. We won't think about that well, again. He then <laughs> double taps her and shoots her in the head. Oh yeah, that's she was right. Like, she was saying like, "Oh, you can save me," and he's like, "No." I forgot about off. that part. Sorry, but yeah, no, yeah, I go. forgot that he shot her in the head. But yeah, that that yeah, shooting and killing Marlene because of the fact that you know he was afraid that. He would, she would come after Ellie and wouldn't stop. Mm-hmm. How far would you go for the people you love? And kill what, everybody. What's super important about this is that Ellie's not really conscious for all oh, of this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. she has no idea this is like happening. She had, I don't even think she had any idea that she was going to die on that operating table. Yeah, they kept her in the dark. Yeah. And then later, Joel has to like explain what happened. And that's what gets really interesting about this show. Yes. Maybe the game? Yeah. So, I, th- I think, yeah, I don't remember. The ending of the game is foggy still. Okay. They go back to Tommy, correct? I believe it so, just yeah. seems Yes. Like yeah. So Ellie is wondering, like, well, what happened? Like, I mean, last time she was conscious, she was on an operating table, and now she's in a car and mm-hmm. they're driving away, just her and Joel. And they get to Tommy's encampment society thing. And she, like, confronts Joel. It's like, what actually happened? Is what you told me true? That, what did he say again? They, like, I think they, like, operate on, like, a few other immune people. And they, like, couldn't find, like, a a way to make a vaccine. Oh, I think he said that that you weren't the only one, that there are other kids like you. They don't need you for the vaccine anymore. I think think that's what he said. Okay. If my, if, if my memory is serving me correct. Who knows? And You're also right. that Marlene let them go. Yeah. yeah, Marlene let them go. Yes. She was like, is that true? And he said, yes. So I'm like, okay. Mm. And that's how, that's how the show ends. And yeah. we're left like, he lied to Ellie. I remember that moment. Mm-hmm. But was it justified? So let's start getting off the fence. Oh. <laughs> was he justified? Of lying to Ellie? He should have just told her the truth. Really? He should have just told her the truth that, hey, they were going to kill you, so I had to do what I did to save you. Because it's it's the train car problem. It's like, okay, either, you know, the two routes. Trolley problem? Yeah, the trolley problem. Where it's like, save my son from death, or I save everyone else Mm -hmm. when my son dies. So it's like, you have to pick one. And he picked Ellie. Mm-hmm. Because he could have let Ellie die, and they potentially could have created a vaccine. We could end this whole fungal apocalypse. But he was like, no, I want to save her because her life is meaningful to me. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, he needs, a, he needs a lie to her. So the lie and her and him shooting up everybody is that trolley problem. Mm. It's like, do I just leave? Everyone's saved. Or do I kill everybody? And she's saved. Because could you let your kid die for this? You know. Yeah, that's that's a hard one. Because there's there's the ethical problem of like 
her dying could mean that, you know, a, a vaccine or some kind of cure is found, right? Mm-hmm. Potentially saving like everybody. Mm-hmm. But can you justify that with like the death of a kid? Yeah. Mm, I don't know. That's a hard one. And there's also the, the a other, kid you love. Yeah. Uh, and there's also the ethical problem of like, was he justified in like lying to her? And for me, it's like we we see kind of the the growth of Joel and Ellie's relationship where at the beginning, like he's not even going to give her a gun, doesn't trust her with that. She ends up using it to save Joel. And then he's like, OK, you can carry a gun now, but I'm going to teach you how to use it. And uh, then kind of Ellie has that uh, pivotal moment where she ends up killing someone for the first time. Well really killing someone for the first time. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you know, she's shaken up after that. And I'm yeah. I'm I'm sure Joel's kind of parental instincts are kicking in where he wants to protect Ellie at all costs. And maybe it has to do with like his previous daughter dying and his kind of regrets with that. Um but I think maybe he doesn't want to confront in his own mind like what he did to to save her. Um and he'd rather, you know, take that with him to the grave. Uh, maybe that's why, but I think, I think it reflects on what like every parent has to deal with is that your kid's going to grow up and, uh, encounter the world and, in all of its horror and, uh, and pain and loss. And you can only protect them from that for so long. Yeah. Um, and I think he wants to hold on to that for a little bit longer. Um, maybe not the best move to make, especially if you're trying to like establish trust with, Essentially, you're you're now adopted kid. Yeah. Um, but I can understand like why he decided to lie about it because like, yeah, that's some fucked up shit that uh, you wouldn't either. You don't want to accept for yourself, or you don't want to pass that on to someone else. Especially because like if she has survivor's guilt and that uh, he's she could feel like. Uh, he caused, she caused him to do all that for her and that can like really fuck up someone. So it's not really an easy answer either way. Mm. It's a good one. You leave me a lot to think with now too. (laughs) Because I'm just imagining myself in the place of Joel. And if I were like a, a parent and something like that happened, like what might I do? And honestly, I'm really torn. Yeah. I mean, Cause honestly, I mean, like with my experience with like, with lying and like watching Pete, like characters lie and like shows and movies, it never really ends up good for them in the end. Cause yeah. the truth ultimately comes out. It always comes out. So it's like, as soon as you say that lie, you kind of know the implications of being like, well, either this lie is going to either blow up in their faces when it comes down to in the line, which it probably will. But I mean, yeah, I do get why Joel would fighter in that instance as a parent now mm-hmm. so never really kind of thought of, thought of it is like the that main before. is the main issue just well, i guess well, i'm gonna answer my own question so mm-hmm. i guess like the she's alive so whether yeah. he told her like hey like i had to kill everybody they're gonna kill you or if he lies like oh they let us go either way she's alive but it's, I, is the main problem not like him telling her exactly what happened is the issue it's more of he destroyed the trust that she would have in him because like with relationships you can like do like a hundred good things 
But if you lie once, mm -hmm. it destroys the whole relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I can never trust you ever again. You lied to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know how damaging that lie will be for Ellie. Because, like, it's kind of implied that she doesn't fully believe it um, yeah. already. But especially if she, like, finds out the full extent of it. I don't, I'm not 100% sure how damaging that's going to be for her. But I think it's more of, like, what it represents as far as either Joel not wanting her to grow up fully to be, like, her own person or him not able to accept for himself what he's done. Could be either way. Yeah. It's, it's probably, you know, for Joel, since he lost his daughter, he doesn't want to lose another one. So it's like defensive, mm -hmm. you know, defense instincts where it's like, well, I want to preserve the daughter I have right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it could be a, a sense of sheltering because like, like you said, he didn't initially give him, give her the gun. She kind of like had to take it for herself yeah, type of thing. So it's like, everything is not like he didn't initiate it. Mm -hmm. It's more of she's reacting to the world sometimes to his benefit, like, cause he would have been probably dead if she didn't take that gun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's probably, he's probably sheltering her, which I don't blame him because it's a, one, dangerous world, and two, his daughter died because of this dangerous world. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. he's like, I don't want this to happen again. Yeah. Yep. So he's being a helicopter dad. Yeah. But man, what a what a journey of growth he's been on throughout this whole series. Like at the beginning, we didn't really mention this, but at the beginning he like works in construction, I think. And like. I don't think that's construction. I think it was it was like a pit of dead bodies, and he's like pouring. No, 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 two thousand three. Oh, I think he's oh. talking about pre. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like pre, oh, no, they're, pre zombies. They're constructing a mass grave. Yeah, <laughs> no, 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 two thousand three. He like um, he's like working construction with his brother. I think he's and, a contractor. Yeah, and yeah, you you could tell he loves his daughter, but there's like a disconnect between like what he's able to do as a single dad, where right. he's like constantly forgetting things and. Uh, she has to, you know, fend for herself a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, he, he's doing his best, but mm -hmm. he's, it's not, it's not the kind of relationship that he eventually develops with Ellie where he's able to sacrifice so much for her and kind of like put his own, uh, put his own life on the line and set aside his own needs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Joel, he grew a lot. Mm -hmm. He was this hardened son of a bitch. And then he turned into... Zombie daddy. Yeah. <laughs> Zaddy. Yeah. Laughing at those dad jokes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what was the one? The Gene one. <clears throat> There's so many. You, uh, so many puns. Did you know that diarrhea run can... Um, run in the family? Can be, yeah. Can be hereditary. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Runs in Did your you jeans. Know, yeah, runs in your jeans. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. That's true. Dad that jokes are a superpower you get. As as, <laughs> I cracked up at as that. As soon too. as you have a progeny. But like you have like, you know, you have Ellie and it's like she's clearly a kid and mm -hmm. he wants to preserve that. She even has like a big old book of puns. Yeah. And he's like, he's enjoying that, you know, in a world that's so hostile. It's like you don't have that anymore. Just the innocence of a child. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And her innocence is broken by going on this journey, by encountering all of these evil people. Yeah. So, 
I don't blame him for lying, but also it wouldn't have hurt her to be like, hey, by the way, they were going to kill you. Yeah. And I saved you. Yeah. I had to get you out of there. Mm-hmm. That's how much you mean to me. Oh, my God. Yeah. You're that, the best. That's why I'm leaning it more towards he can accept it for himself. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay, so my next one is, will HBO deliver for part two? Since this was such a great miniseries, they're only going to do part one and two. There is no part three. I mean, that alone gives me confidence to say yes, because they're not going to drag it out. They said we're not going to do further than the games. Yeah. Correct, yep. Uh, if, if that's the case, if they can stick to it, if they have the same people on, then I don't see why not. How about you, Doug? I'm stoked. They, uh, <clears throat> as soon as the, all, as soon as like the last episode happened, I was like, okay, what's happening with season two? I need to know. And, um, yeah, they're, I, I, I hear they're already, you know, writing it and, you know, already at work. They're going to take, play the game. Yeah. They're going to take part two and, uh, divvy it up into two seasons. I believe that's what they told. I saw on YouTube when I was looking <laughs> at the cinematics, <laughs> part one was like three hours long. Part two is eight hours. Yeah, oh. I I still haven't played part two yet. I got really. I, I, I unfortunately had a plot point spoiled for me. Don't worry, I'm mm. not going to hint at it. I'm not going to tell you guys anything about I'm it. Play it on Twitch uh, TV forward slash Wow underscore it's a pop tart. Yes, I will be playing it <laughs> on there. Absolutely. Um, but um, yeah, there's a lot of fans that are divided about season two. Um, but uh, I know that it's, you know, just as good. I hear it's just as good with like rich character t- stories. And then, you know, no, there's a time <clears throat> jump. There's a time jump. Ellie gets a girlfriend. So it's like, Whoa. there's a lot, a lot of things that lost their minds about that. one. Yeah. There's a lot of things going. Yeah. There's a lot of things really? going on with there. Mm-hmm. There's a whole hullabaloo on the internet about that. Man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. After, after you know, because uh, Nick Beards wanted Ellie to be their girlfriend. The switches in the game. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, it was that yeah. time, wasn't it? Yeah. When, did, when did that game come out? Twenty fifteen. It had to come out at least like yeah, twenty. Because twenty right, right, right in the throes of GamerGate. Oh, twenty twenty. Twenty twenty. What about part two? Part two came out in twenty twenty for yeah, PlayStation Four. There's still a hullabaloo. Oh wow! Yeah, I, I kind of remember that. Yeah, I think it was like right before the pandemic is when it came out, I think. Okay. Yeah, the pandemic kind of switched switched priorities a little bit. But keep the same energy that you did with part one. Okay. That's all I have to say to the I mean, and it's the same showrunners, it's gonna be the same people who worked on part on, on this last season. So dokie. Here's a real question. Should I play part two? Before HBO does their adaptation, or should I wait? Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm not going to wait. Okay. 
So I'm going to tell you not to wait either. Um, okay. I mean, well, it's coming back in two years. Mm. Yeah, it's going to be a while before they. It's like, I, I don't. I don't want to wait. Yeah, no, I, I don't. Know. I, w- I want to know what happens with part two. Yeah, no, I would highly recommend just playing the part two game if you want to know what happens next. Do so you think I mean, part two will be remade for PC before? I hope I'm so. I'm not buying a PlayStation mm. 4. If if any if anybody out there can hear me in the video game world, aka the company who made this, which was Naughty, Naughty, Dog, Dog, Naughty Dog, please release it on PC within the next year. I appreciate you and love you. <laughs> All right. I think you're going to have to ask, ask uh, Sony about that. Yeah. Or maybe I'll just let Armand borrow my, my PlayStation 4 or 5. <laughs> there you go. Like the the old days where you go into your friend's house and they don't have a PlayStation, so you bring your whole game mm-hmm. system with controllers. Yeah. Oh, I miss those days. I forgot my power cords. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> don't you have one? You don't? Oh, God. <laughs> Stuff it all in your backpack. Uh, all right, my final question. <laughs> Would you recommend The Last of Us, part one, to a friend? No. No? Of course I would. Oh, my God. <laughs> Who do you think you're talking to? <laughs> Put me on a roller coaster, just like the show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you haven't watched it already, uh, which is like none of you listening right now, but certainly recommend it to a friend who hasn't watched it. Nice. Um, yeah, I, I very much enjoyed this. Uh, we're we're in a drought of good TV shows right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's even worse for movies. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, this is this. Jordan one... Peele's making his Christmas movie. Yeah. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, this is. Um, uh yeah you're not going to be disappointed um this is this is quality uh filmmaking that uh this is cinema just, it lives up to the hype it really does yes Doug would you recommend it 100% yeah i actually have a story about uh recommending it to somebody oh my god story time so story time uh my mom who doesn't do well with horror stuff doesn't do doesn't like horror movies doesn't like anything that scares her me and my dad were watching the show for like six weeks, the first six episodes. And then she's like, well, I want to watch it with you guys. So uh, I told her, I'm like, this is this might be a scary show for you because of the clickers, which I mean, by the way, it's not really that scary in the end. I mean, yes, it's terrifying. But um, so people that don't like horror. Yeah. People who don't like horror. You know, my non horror mom watched this. She binged it within a day and a half. Holy shit. Seven episodes. Seven episodes. And she came back to me and she was like, Doug, thank you for that recommendation. I love you so much. I'm ready for the watch the finale with you and your father. Whoa. You finally earned your mother's love. So I was just like, (laughs) I, I, yes. I was like, finally, I recommended something to like a family member and they didn't tell me, God, it sucked right in my face. Cause I, I mean, my taste in movies and shows are a little different, but it's incredible. Yes, I mean this show has all the acting, it has all the writing, it has it has all the drama. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think you're going to be scared about it at it, but I mean, yeah, it'll terrify you a little bit, but in the end, it's not it doesn't focus on horror, it focuses on the people. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's what makes a great story. And that's what makes it a great show. Yeah, that's it's how a great you connect story. with it. Yep. Yeah, my non-horror loving fiance approached me I was like, Armand, I want to watch The Last of Us. And I was like, oh, my God. I've been wanting to watch it. It's a miracle. <laughs> yeah. Let's I, do it. <laughs> she was like, ah, ah. That was really good. I was like, mm-hmm. 
It's amazing. Yeah, I would recommend it. Honestly, echoing what you just said, like anybody could watch it. Yeah. The story's there, and that's that's the forefront. Mm-hmm. It's the backdrop of zombie apocalypse, where you have this awesome story of like Bill and Frank, Joel and Ellie, zombies. <laughs> like it's it's all there. It's like it's it's wonderfully done, and I just hope HBO has the same momentum going into part two. Yeah, that's all. And you know, keep up with the casting too, because the casting that they did for this show. Yeah. It's fantastic. And even I wanted to make a quick note here real quick, real too. Um they brought back like all the like the original like voice actors from yes. the game. Ellie. Mm. And like but they didn't put them in like their, their normal ro- roles. They put them in like different roles. And the or- original voice actress of Ellie was brought in to play the mom. That's what I was trying to look up. <laughs> Ashley Johnson. Ashley Johnson and Ashley Johnson did a phenomenal job oh, stepping yeah. into the mom role. She's fantastic. She, oh my god, because that's that's the final episode. Yeah, the final mm-hmm. episode is where you finally get to meet Ellie's mom. And yeah, dude, I was crying as soon as I saw her on screen. I was like, <laughs> it's my original Ellie. She's playing the mom. I'm like, oh, this is she so even funny. looks like Bella Ramsey. I yeah, I was like, probably not an accident. <laughs> like I was just like, it was so perfect. It was just so perfectly yeah. done. They brought in uh, Troy cool. Baker. Yeah. He was like uh, one of the preacher guys. Yeah, he was a guy who got, got axed. Yeah. Oof. Or cleavered. Cleavered, I should say. Mm-hmm. Yes. Wow. That's and amazing. Marlene was the only one, fun fact, to be – was the she was the original voice actress for Marlene in the, in the, in the game, and she was the only one that was brought back to play herself mm. in, the, uh, in the show. That's neat. Oh, my God. Guys, this was a lot of fun. Oh, yes. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah. So we're at the end of the show. So, Aaron, before we go, can anybody see you on another podcast somewhere? Like, are you, like, out in space or something? What's going on? (laughs) Funny you should ask. (laughs) Uh, Yes, I have a Star Wars podcast called WSTR, Galactic Public Access. Oh, yeah. Uh, You can find us at WSTR Media pretty much everywhere. Uh, We live stream our recording every week on Thursday evenings. So if you want to stick around for that, that'd be great. That's over on YouTube. Uh, and we release a new episode every Monday, nice. uh, both video and audio available wherever fine podcasts are sold. Very nice. And Doug, I know you're a screenwriter, but where can people see you on the internet? They can find me at, uh, playing horror games over at, uh, on Twitch at, you know, Twitch TV backslash, you know, wow. Underscore. It's a pop. Why do you always do this with your <laughs> username? <laughs> I don't know. He picked it when he was 15, and he's going to stick with it. <laughs> hey, it was picked out when I, when one of my friends was high. I mean, <laughs> and they odds me to do it, and I was like, okay, I'll do it. Wow, it's a Pop-Tart. Done and done. Done but, and done. You thought I, didn't want, you thought I wasn't going to do it? Well, I did it. <laughs> wow, underscore, it's a Pop-Tart. <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you, guys. This was a lot of fun, and I look forward to doing part two whenever that comes out. Absolutely. Hell yeah, bro. Let's do it. I'm All down right. for it. Ready to end this? Let's end it. And yes. we're done. Goodbye. Bye. That's it for this time on The Syndicate. We hope you enjoyed yourself. Keep the conversation going by adding us on Instagram and letterboxed at Syndicate. Or join the Discord server where you can catch Armand along other podcasters and listeners at syndicate.com slash discord. 
And until next time, stop that scroll and spend more time watching. Goodbye.